But uh, this morning, I want to jump into the word that I have for you. And over the last three weeks, uh, today, I told you two weeks ago, I was concluding this, this series. Today, I'm actually concluding this series because I'm preaching something else next week. And, um, but really, this is kind of a unique series. I don't know if I've ever quite done a series like this where it's really one series but two parts. Week one and week two were one focus, and now week three and week four are one focus. But they all kind of are married together. Uh, and you need both if you're going to get what God has for you. Um, and so just as a little bit of uh, recap for those of you who may not have been here, you can get online. Uh, you can get on your church center app. All the services are available there. I will tell you this, and we're working on this. If you get on the church center app or even on YouTube, the volume is low. Okay? How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, y'all are like, mm-hmm, I know. And uh, so, but if you go on your church center app and click listen instead of watch, the volume is much louder. So if you're like, I wish I could hear better. Go listen to it. Don't watch it. And yet it will be much louder. We're working on getting that fixed. We've just, if we turn the volume up too loud on the internet, it distorts and then you can't hear nothing. And so we're doing some things to get that resolved. But in the meantime, you can get on your church center app. We have a podcast as well. That audio is good. The listen audio on the app is good as well. And so all of the services from January 1 up to current are all available for you on your church center app. Um, And so... You can access that there. But and so in January, we kicked off the year um, really in a series uh, and, and really the whole focus of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, um, really about a focus on the need or our need of the help of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and if you don't realize it, you need the help, the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit, like desperately need it. Like you don't kind of maybe need it like I need it desperately. And I, I think sometimes is that we can just kind of get into the routine and, and the normals of life and just think, well, you know, I'm a good Christian, but yet I think that we've really um, have underlived the salvation that Jesus has provided for us. And it's not that it's not available for us. We just don't access it. And, and so it, it really at the beginning of the year in our 21 day devotional, the whole theme of it was not by might, not by power and not, but by my spirit says the Lord. Is that it's not by our energy, it's not by our effort, it's not by our smarts, it's not all these things. We need the help and the work of the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish what God wants to do. And so that whole month we did a series called Under the Influence. And, you know, and of course something goes to mind. How many of you remember me having the little, uh, what was that, the little, the jar of hand sanitizer? Just a pole, I'm just curious. How many of you would have been offended if I would have had a bottle of alcohol on the platform? Okay, no hands went up. Awesome. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. And I thought, mm, I'm not sure if we ready for that. So I grabbed a bottle of hand sanitizer because I needed an object as a lesson. And so we understand what it looks like to be under the influence of alcohol. Maybe you don't, but you know people who do. And you've seen behavior. And my whole point was this, is that when people get under alcohol, they act different. When people get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they'll start acting different. And not in a strange or weird way, but that's the ministry and the help of the Holy Spirit. I would say it this way, is that you are at your best when you are most submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's a a true statement. Why? Because it's the power of God at work within us to produce everything that God wants for us. And so we've looked over these things, and as I've shared over a number of weeks now, and 
At one point during our fast, the Lord dropped this statement in my heart, and I believe it really is a word for the year. Um, and I don't say that lightly. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever said that. Um, but the, the more I just continue to pray and seek the Lord about this, the more I'm convinced that this is a word from God for our church. Uh, it's a word from God for you as an individual as well. And it's this, is that uh, he's not just the God of breakthrough, but he's the God of breakout. Y'all like how I cued that perfectly right there? It's amazing. No, sometimes we can think like, hey, God's going to break us through. In other words, I survived. I made it to the other side. We got like, whoo, glad that's over. But breakout is something totally different. Breakthrough is like, I need a nap. Breakout is like, let's go. There's some energy with a breakout that is different. And, uh, and I believe that, that God wants to do these things. And so I've shared this with you a number of times as well. But this is, was the scripture the Lord laid on my heart back at the beginning of 21 days of prayer and fasting that I've continued to pray over you. Um, and it's Zechariah 10.1. It says that we're to ask the Lord for rain in the season of spring rain. It says, and the Lord who makes the rain clouds, or the Lord makes the rain clouds, and he will give them showers of rain, even crops in the field for everyone. And that may be a little poetic-y for you. Here's the way I, that my translation of this, and I've looked at this and studied this verse, is that every field would flourish with the fruit that God has for it. For it. But God brings the rain. How many of you know that you really can't flourish or prosper without the work of the Holy Spirit? In, in the Bible, many times, actually almost all the time, that when we see the elements of water, it, it's indicative of the work of the Holy Spirit. And here it says that we're to ask God for what? For rain. Okay, so ask God for the help of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you can flourish and become what God wants you to be. And have everything that God has for you to have. And, and I don't mean that just in a natural sense. I think there's an element of that. But God wants to do much more in us than he just wants to do around us. And so many times we, we pray and we ask God to do things around us. And he's saying, hey, but I need to do something in here. Because if I do something in here, then we can, all the rest of that other stuff will come along too. But so many times we're just doing those things. And so... Last week I shared with you this, and it just kind of a warning, if you will, and is that we can seek the right things but have an ulterior motive. In other words, we can be going after the right things just for the wrong reason. And it's important that it, heart matters, motive matters. And I, I've said that many times. And so, um, you know, and so I also shared this last week is that what or why are you believing for a breakout this year? Like, what's your why? Your why matters. It matters greatly to God. Because when our, when our why is lined up with his desires, he will work. But when our why is off, he's not obligated to work. Why? Because it could be for selfish ambition. It could be for selfish gain. It could be for a lot of things. But God's more interested in what he has for us than what we have for us. And the truth is, is that what God has for us is way better than anything that we would ever ask him for anyways. And so we, we are the ones who need to adjust to him, not him adjust to us. And so over these last couple of weeks, in week one and week two, it was really more inspirational for you about, um, to, and really my goal was to stir up your faith to believe God for something new this year. For God to move in a different way, at a different level, at a different degree than ever before. So week one and two, if you're like, I just don't know if that's possible, go listen to week one and week two until you believe it. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, which means how many of you know that just because you hear something doesn't mean that you hear something. And sometimes you need to put it on repeat. If you're like me, I'm an, I'm an audio lit learner. 
In other words, I have to make myself read, but I can listen to stuff and I'll put it on repeat until it gets out of here and down into my spirit and faith. And all of a sudden I'm like, no, that's not just something somebody said. That's what God wants for me. So you may need, may need to go listen to that a couple times. Last week and this week are more practical. It's like, hey, you know, because I, I believe many times in church we can inspire people. But then it's like, but I don't know what to do. Well, last week and this week, I'm telling you, how do you set yourself up to, to really see a significant transformation in your life? Week three and week four, that's how. And I believe that these are tied together. I don't believe you'll ever get really the promise of what I've shared in week one and week two if you don't do week three and week four. And so this is important. And so as we're talking about these things and, you know, as I was even praying a little bit this week. And if you don't know the week one, week two, I was talking about is that God has got a breakthrough. God wants to do some things to really move you from where you are into a whole new season and a whole new realm. And people are like, yeah, sign me up for that. And then last week I hit you with repentance. You're like, hold up. That is not what we were talking about. But, you know, as I was even thinking some this week, a little bit about repentance, you know, repentance is really a settling of an account. I don't know how many of you are like me. My wife is not like this, but I like to reconcile my bank statement because I like to know how much money I got. She's like, I got money. How much? I don't know. I got money in there. I want to know how much money. And there's something about that life becomes like my soul quiets down when my stuff's in order. That's important for me. My wife lives on a different bandwidth. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about that next week. And, uh, I'm going to let her tell on me a lot next week. How about that? And, uh, but really, what is repentance? It's where everything's become squared up. You know, in construction, being square is important. I had the, the great opportunity and test of patience to tile a shower recent, two showers recently that were not square. And you're like, what does that mean? It means the wall is like, th- actually, the wall was like that. So you lay your tile out and you're like, "Mm, don't look right up there. And square matters. If you don't think that square matters, let your car get out of alignment and go drive your car. And you're like, why does the car keep pulling to the ditch? It's because it ain't square. Your house ain't square. I I was actually talking to a guy here recently and they went to, it was actually um, South Louisiana, closer to the New Orleans area. And they were helping to rebuild a house that was on uh, poles. And they got there. And they realized that the house was from the front to the back on one corner was out a foot and a half. Now, you don't have to know a lot about construction to say a foot and a half sounds like a lot. It is like an inch and a half is a good amount, much less a foot and a half. And so the roof won't work. Why? Because the dimensions ain't right, right? And so there are some things that we may not be square. We may not be where we need to be from a spiritual standpoint. And so we need to let settle some accounts with the Lord. And so many times we can just let kind of glaze things over and just be like, well, that doesn't really matter. It may not matter to you, but it might matter to the Lord. And if you're going to step into what God has for you, you're going to have to grab hold of what I'm teaching you. And so I think that it's important that you know this. And so. You know, and I know that everybody's excited about a breakout. And then you start talking about like getting square with God. And you're like, "Mm, I don't know anymore. I'm telling you, it's worth it. It is worth it. And so let me say this. 
Well, let me give you a phrase and then I want to explain what I mean by it. Is that you can't actually leave what you have not properly grieved. See, there's things in our past that we just want to kind of bury, if you will, and not deal with them. But I can't move beyond what I have not grieved. And there's a spiritual application of this as well, not just in the natural realm, not just in a psychological point. Is that what I have not settled with the Lord, I cannot move beyond that point. Because it will always be under the surface and it will always create a limitation and a hindrance into what God wants to do in my life. What God wants to do in your life. And so if I don't learn how to leave it, in other words, settle it, get it done, I can't move forward. Why? Because I've got an anchor that's tied me to my past. And that line may have some slack in it until it gets tight and all of a sudden it jerks. And there's this moment where something comes out, I say something, I do something, I respond in a certain way. Maybe something somebody does to me and all of a sudden I respond in a way. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? It's probably because there's something in my past that I've not actually grieved properly. The Bible actually talks about even godly sorrow. Let me say it another way. Godly grief. You're like, well, what is that? It's called repentance. God, I I know the mark and I've missed that mark. And if I'm going to really step into and to to pursue and and accomplish and get everything that God has for me, if you're going to do that this year, there may be some things that you need to, in a righteous manner, grieve. Now, grieve does not mean bawling your eyes out, snotting everywhere and be like, Jesus, I'm sorry. Like that is, because you can do all that and not mean it. You can make a show. But repent means to change. Like God, I, I acknowledge what I've done, but I want to move in a new direction by the help and the work and the, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. And so that's where I need to, what? Again, it's not by my might. It's not by my power, but it's by the Spirit of God. God, I messed up again, but I thank you that your spirit's helping me and strengthening me. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, that you speak, that I hear your voice. And when you say don't touch, I ain't touching. When you say don't go, I ain't going. When you say don't look, I ain't looking. That's a life submitted to the Holy Spirit. And and so, but there are some things that we need to do to be able to get to this place. And and so my, my, I have a couple questions for you here this morning. But, uh, and, and so first off, it would be this. Do you feel heavy today? Like, do you just feel like you got weight on you? There's just a heaviness. And it's just like, man, there's something on me that I just can't seem to shake. You can say it another way, which is to be weighed down, to be burdened with something. It's very likely because you think it's one thing and it's something totally different. Because you think, well, this person or this situation or this happened or this circumstance... Is what is weighing me down in my soul. And the reality is is that it it may not be. And it very likely is something that there's a space between you and the Lord. And and what happens is that we we insulate ourselves, not just from other people, but we insulate ourselves from the Lord. And so insulation brings isolation. That's what happens. And we're not good by ourselves. None of us. I mean, we say it a lot, but we believe we really are better together. Why? Because it's true. 
We need one another. We need relationship. We need to be in connection with one another. We need to be in relationship. And that can't be casual. It has to be intentional. But there are some things, and and here's what I have found, is that many times the people around me, like that are close to me, know what's going on in me more than I know. Because by the time I finally come to the realization, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I get there eventually. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But a lot of times by the time that I will acknowledge something's going on in my life, I'll admit it to the people around me. And they're like, well, I could have told you that. And I'm like, then why didn't you? It would have been very helpful. But see, what's not obvious to us, many times it's obvious to those around us. Maybe we need to ask. Now you need to ask, you need to qualify your askers. Don't just go asking everybody. Ask the right people. But there may be some things that we need to repent of. That heaviness, that, that's not a, it's a soulish thing. It's a weight that we're carrying that we need the help and the, the Holy Spirit to help us. But the Holy Spirit cannot remove it for us. We initiate that by repentance. And last week I talked about it. This is not I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, my bad. Repentance is like, man, I'm going to do something different. I'm not going that route. So, so let me say, let me just give you a couple of things here. And these are just very practical things. David said it this way in the book of Psalms. He said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And that's true. And we need to repent before the Lord. In other words, we need to change our our mindset and we need to come in line with what God has said about us. And and so, but there's, there's another aspect of this. And I believe it just kind of goes a little deeper as well. Is that in our repentance, we also have to forgive ourselves. We have to give ourselves grace, which if you don't know this, the hardest person to give grace to is yourself. Now, there's the, the weird anomaly that gives himself lots of grace and gives nobody else grace. That's not normal. Most of us give everybody else grace and don't give ourselves grace. Might be that thought of, man, I knew better, but I still did. And that thought just hounds you and hounds you and hounds you. Well, if you've brought it under the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that it has been washed clean. The Bible even goes a step further and says that God, not only will he forgive you, but he will wash your conscience clean. So let me ask you another question. If God doesn't hold your past against you, then why do you? And many times the weights of things are actually a a self-imposed burden. Because we know that God has forgiven us, but we've not forgiven us. We've not given and allowed the grace of God to extend to us. So we got to go to God in repentance. We got to receive that forgiveness. Another aspect of that is that we've got to let go of our grudges. We got to forgive some other folks. I mean, let me just help you. Everybody's just human. Most people are not trying to hurt you. There are some people that are just. There's two types of people that hurt you in life. There's a fool. And in their foolishness, they hurt you. They don't mean to hurt you. They don't intend to hurt you, but they're going to hurt you. That's why you don't want to be around a bunch of fools because you're going to end up hurt. The other person that will hurt you is an evil person. That means they got plans to hurt you. They're a tool in the hand of the enemy to harm you. So what do you do with a fool? Keep it a distance. What do you do with an evil person? You get away. 
You're like, you calling people evil? They're motivated by something evil, yes. You pray for them from a distance. Don't invite them over for dinner. Oh, but the Lord says he'll make a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Let him send the invites out. Don't send the invites out yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look. I'm just trying to help you a little bit here. So look, we have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. Anytime that we're holding on to a grudge, you're like, how do I know if I have a grudge against somebody? Think of them right now. How does your stomach feel? If it don't feel great, you holding a grudge. Can you pray for that person and pray for God's blessing upon them? Not his judgment, not your vindication. Can you honestly pray for God's good plan to prosper in that person's life? If you can't, it's likely you got a grudge. It's very likely. So we have to go to God. We got to get things square with God. We got to square things in our own soul. We need to square them with other people. Now, let me just say this is that forgiveness does not automatically mean reconciliation with somebody. Well, I can forgive somebody who's evil that has bad intentions for me. That does not mean I get back in relationship with them. I mean, in Romans, it says that we are to live at peace with all people, if at all possible, which tells me you can't live with everybody at peace. So if we can't be at peace, we can't be friends. And I'm going to do my part. But it takes two to tango, right? If you don't play nice... We won't be friends. I'm going to take my ball. I'm going to go find another friend. I'm going to go somewhere else. So let me show you this in scriptures. And this is why it matters. You're like, well, man, I, you know, honestly, I actually think it's easier to forgive other people than it is myself. That's, and that may just, some of you may be like me, but typically I give grace to others. I don't give a lot of grace to myself. And so, but I'm having to learn some things even in this way. And so in the Lord's prayer, many of you can probably recite the Lord's prayer. It comes out of Matthew chapter six. There's a couple other uh, uh, gospels that it's in as well. But in uh, Matthew six, we're not going to read the whole thing, but our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're not gonna read the whole scripture, but here in verse 12, this is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us of our sins. This is repentance. As we have forgiven our debtors, the Amplified adds this little piece. And I thought, ooh, that's really good. And it says, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. In other words, I'm going to let you off the hook. And I'm going to let go of all the negative feelings that have come along with the experience that I had with you. That's Forgiveness. It's not just saying, well, I forgave them, but I'm going to hold on to my bad attitude. No, you got to let go of that. Why? Because your bad attitude doesn't hurt them, but it does hurt you. Verse 15, drop down three verses. It says, if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God. That alone is bad enough. And then it says, if we don't do that, then our father will not forgive our trespasses. If we do not forgive others, if we nurture the hurt. In other words, I just, it's on repeat in my brain. And I'm just, the more I think about it, the more I give life to it. The more I ponder it, the more I sit on it, the more I, I just, and you know, you know, who's at work right there, right? 
the enemy's at work because he's talking. And every time you hit the replay button, oh, he's talking to you. Let me tell you why they did that and what they did. And here was the motive behind it. You got a whole script and all you know is just one moment. Let me tell you why they said that. I know it's what they said, but this is what they meant. That's the way the enemy works. And it's all up here in our minds. And if we're not careful, we'll nurture the hurt and the anger. And here's the thing. As long as we nurture it, it grows. It grows. It's like roots. They just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, the longer we let it exist, the harder it is to get uprooted. And the more painful. So anytime that we get offended or hurt in any way, we want to be quick to get the weeds out the garden because they're easy when they're small. But if we're not careful, like I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. I was youth pastoring, had been for years. And we'd gone through things and like everybody does and just a lot of stuff had gone on. And the Lord had done this really just... Powerful work in, my, in me and Dara's life, in our heart. Just kind of uprooted some stuff in a moment. And, uh, but it was years and years and years of things. And, and there was this underlying motivation in my life was, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Everybody had told me I was stupid for leaving college to pursue ministry. Everybody told me I was going to be broke because I was going into ministry. Everybody who, I mean, there were lots of things. My own grandmother made some pretty nasty statements to me. She was the one who told me, you'll be broke the rest of your life. And there was this motivation under the surface I loved God and I loved people and I wanted to fulfill my calling. But there was this underlying motivation that was always there. And those voices would echo in my heart for years. My grandmother passed away and those words still. And here's the thing. I didn't realize that there was that underlying undercurrent happening. But it was motivating me. How many of you know that's a flawed approach to ministry? I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And the Lord had to do a, a work in my heart to what? To, to purify some motives. And it took the Holy Spirit to do it because I didn't even know it was there. Let me just help you is that you can trust the Holy Spirit. You really can He's the most trustworthy person you know. He has nothing but the best for you. But you've got to be willing to invite him in and to help us. So this is important. Let me, so if if you're going to experience a real breakout in any area of your life, and and for many of you, I believe this isn't even a natural thing. I, I believe much of this is soulish. In other words, if you're, if you're going to get over your past, if you're going to break out of your past where it no longer really is what the defining factor of your life, you're going to have to come into a place and, and, and really, and there may be some things that you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent for holding on to this anger. I repent that I have felt abandoned by everybody because you've never abandoned me. But that's a real emotion. Everybody has let me down. Nobody comes through for me. Well, God's word says that he never leaves us, never forsakes us. You could be angry at God and not even know it. Say, well, how do you know that? Because I've been angry at God and didn't know it. That's how. 
God, I'm sorry, I, I blamed you for things that really it was, the, it was people in my life that the enemy had used to bring this about, but I blamed you. How many of you know that that would not work in a mine and dare's relationship? If I blamed her for all my problems, our relationship ain't going to be very good. Why? Because now she has become the target of my anger. And I can say all these other situations, but it's not going to produce a very good, healthy relationship here. The same thing happens in our relationship with the Lord. And many times we do it and aren't even aware of it. And we need to ask the Lord to help us. We need to repent of those things. And so if we're really, uh, you know, here's another example is that I believe that we need to repent of areas that we've not allowed the Lord to help us. And we need to invite him to come in. Because we've had the attitude of, I've got this, I can do this. And we, in our effort and our energy and all of these things, Lord, I'm sorry that I've tried to be who you've wanted me to be in my own strength. I, I, that I've, I've isolated myself from your ability in my life. And now I, I repent of that and I want to invite you in and your help in and, and your assistance into my life. What you'll find is that life's much easier when the grace of God is at work in your life. But again, you've got to really, um, you know, and so I, this is a phrase for you. It's a little quote for you. Is that you can't break out without the breaker. The Holy Spirit is the breaker, by the way. There's nothing in front of you that is bigger than the God on the inside of you. But you need his help. Let me give you uh, an example of this in Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. It says this. Uh, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel. I'm not going to go into all the backstory of it. You can go read it if you want. But he's giving them some instructions. Now, let me remind you, this is in the Old Testament when they didn't have a connection or relationship with God like we do now. And so, if anything, this was an inferior relationship. And yet, listen to what God says to them when the Bible says very clear that we actually have a better covenant, a better relationship, more access to God. And yet, even under an old system, this is what God says. He says, turn to me now. While there is time, he says, give me your hearts. And he's not just talking about in a sound like what we would understand as a salvation kind of way. He's saying, like, trust me with everything that you are. He goes on and he says that you come with fasting and weeping and mourning, but you don't tear your clothes in grief. Now, in the Old Testament, this is what they would do, is they would do outward expressions to display what was happening inwardly. So you can actually see this even in the life of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the, the, you know, the one sent from heaven, and the Pharisees start ripping their clothes. Blasphemy! Like, they start freaking out. Why? Because they're saying that we've been, we've, we've been greed, and we, this is a, like, man, we need to repent in this moment. And yet God here is telling them, hey, don't tear your clothes just tear your heart instead in other words go beyond the surface like don't just leave it where people can see it god wants to work at a very deep level where where real change can happen god is not interested in making us a marginally better where it's like surface change stuff god wants to change us at a very core deep transformational level where our life is never the same moving forward in the best way possible but he says tear your heart no, tear your hearts instead it says return to the lord your god 
return, repent, come back. It says, return to the Lord your God. I love this. It says, for he is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's filled with unfailing love. And I love this part. It says, he is eager. Everybody say eager. Because my guess is most of you in the room do not have a picture of God of this. He is eager. He's ready. He's waiting to relent and not punish. He's eager. In other words, he's waiting on our repentance. He's just waiting on us to say, God, this is a mess and I need you. I'm a mess and I need you. In the book of Revelations, there's actually a, he makes a statement to a church and he tells him, he says, hey, you've done all these great things and we know all these things about you. He says, but you've done this is that you've left your first love. He says, return to me, come back to me. Let me give you another uh, scripture from the Old Testament. Many of you probably have heard or could even quote verse 14, but I'm going to read verse 13. So this is Second Chronicles seven thirteen. It says, at times, now this is God speaking to the nation of Israel again. He says, at times I have shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command that grasshoppers to devour your crops and send plagues among you. Now, some of you are like, that's the Lord I know. You better watch out. He's going to get you. Right? But remember what it just said. He's eager to relent. He's ready. Right? And then in verse 14, this is the, you know, everybody always quotes this verse. It says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and will turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. So God says, look, this is what's coming. This is what will happen if you don't repent, if you don't humble yourself. James tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt us. God always gives us the opportunity to, to humble ourselves before he will. Always. Multiple times. But here it says that if we would call upon him, if we would humble ourselves, if we would pray, if we would turn from our wicked ways, change, repent. I gave you this definition last week, but I'm going to give it to you again. Because you're like, man, I'm not wicked. Okay, well, let's define wickedness. Wickedness is this. It's a determination to continue in a direction that you know is wrong. Well, I know the word says, but... Well, I know the Lord, you know, I had this little conviction at one time, but I don't really feel convicted about that anymore. Let me tell you why you don't feel convicted anymore about it. The Bible says it's because you've hardened your heart to the voice of the Lord. In other words, he kept speaking and every time it got a little quieter and a little quieter and a little quieter and a little quieter until you're like, oh, I guess he don't care no more. I am the Lord and I change not. If God told it to you in the past, it's still valid today. And what I have found in my now 25 years of serving the Lord is that the convictions I had when I was 17, the Lord has just increased the level of them. They've never decreased. So what was okay 20 years ago ain't okay today. And what was okay even five years ago is not okay today. Is there, there's a, a continual, God is drawing me to him and to get closer to him means I got to get some junk out of the way. 
Why? Because he's a holy God. But I thought we were forgiven of our sins. We are. But we can put roadblocks in the way between us and the Lord. And so wickedness is a determination to continue in a direction that I know is wrong. Well, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but no, that's wickedness. That's not my definition. Go do your own word study. But if you trust me, I've already studied it. Multiple places in scripture. This is how it's defined in the Hebrew and the Greek. Wickedness is any direction that I know better and yet I keep going. The Bible defines that as wickedness. So it's a sin that we are no, long, no longer have a desire to change and we want God to approve it and bless it anyway. I know this is wrong, but God understands. God knows my heart. Yes, he does. And that's why he calls us to repentance. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all other things the scriptures say. Well, but you know, my heart says you can't trust your heart. I can't trust mine. That's why I need the word of God to give me a standard to look at and be like, you know what? I'm a little messed up. And that's on a good day. So I need to repent of my wickedness. Something that God has told me, don't do this, don't, don't, whatever it may be. You're like, well, how do you know if there's conviction? You know. And I, I can't tell you the age of my children where they knew right and wrong. My daughter likes to test those boundaries on the daily. <laughs> like, when I say daily, I mean nonstop. Anybody else got some boundary pusher kids? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, where's the line? Oh, it's over here. Let me get, a, let me get out there. <laughs> That's human nature. And yet the Holy Spirit will try to speak to us. But if we ignore him, he will stop talking. He will. So how do I get back? If my people who are called, who are saved, will humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will restore. I will bring it back to my original purpose and intention. In other words, I'm going to settle your past and I'm going to hit the fast forward button and let you come up where you should have been all along. That's what God does. Just another scripture for you. This one, because I know some people like, oh, these are all Old Testament scriptures. Let me give you one. Actually, I'm going to give you two out of the New Testament. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Just for some context, he's actually talking about whether you should eat certain foods or not. But this is a, a matter of conviction. But this is what it says. It says, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something. It says, so if you even doubt if you should, like, should I, should I not? And you can apply this to a lot of things. So don't just say, well, it's just about food. It's about a lot of things. The principles are still the principles. It says, if you have a doubt whether you should do something or not, if you go ahead and do it, in other words, if you second guess yourself, if you go ahead and do it, it says, um, you are sinning if you go ahead. It says, for you are not following your convictions. If you believe or if you do anything that you believe is not right, you are sinning. Aren't you glad you came to church today? 
It's like, man, Pastor, I just love this message. It's awesome. This will actually help you grow, though. Like, this isn't surface-level Christianity. This is like, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, and I recognize that I don't belong to me, but I, I belong to Jesus, my Savior, because he paid a price for my sins. And so whatever he wants to do in me, my answer is yes. I'm not going to bargain. I'm not going to try to, you know, all these things. And so we have to, and again, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation. I talked about that last week. Not guilt, not shame. Just, hey, you're better than this. You're stronger than this. And so many times we'll make excuses and allowances as to why we're certain ways. And the Holy Spirit's kind of over our excuses. Can I just be blunt? Maybe we should stop giving excuses and start asking the Holy Spirit, okay, help me then. Give me the wisdom I need. Help me understand what the next step is. Help me to do this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. I'm going to read a few scriptures here, but gives us in some instructions. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, again, let me just, because sometimes people take scriptures like this. This is kind of my pet peeve in church. Like, oh, man, we can't be around the world. How are you going to reach a world that you're running from? Just a thought. This is talking about in close relationship. I mean, go into all the world, not just the saved world, and preach the gospel. Sometimes that's the way we approach church. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. It says, how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? See, I actually believe this has more to do, like these scriptures, I think they're actually talking about our inward life, not our outward life. Like take these scriptures and apply them to your inner life. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can I, how can I have this split Loyalty, this this split, this divided heart. It goes on, it says, for we are the temple of the living God. So Paul here is talking to believers. As God has said, I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And he says, therefore, so because of what I just told you, You're my people. I'm going to come and I'm going to live amongst you. And because my presence is with you, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So that's the end of of chapter 6. Chapter 7, though, we think of the Bible in chapter and verse. It's not the way the Bible was written. The Bible was written as a letter. We put it in chapter and verse so we go find stuff. So in the same thought, Paul continues to write and says, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves. Now, I believe that this is actually referring to the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't fix us, but we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. 
So when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to respond to him. So, so cleanse ourselves from everything that can devour our body and our spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Let me give you another word for fear. It's being in awe. It's saying, God, you are, by the way, awe means awesome is where we get that word. Like you're amazing. Your grace goes beyond my comprehension. And so it does mean to give reverence. It doesn't mean to be afraid of. It does mean to give respect and honor to. But he says, let us work towards complete holiness. The Bible calls us to holiness. It actually says that the, the, God speaks to his people and says, be holy as I am holy. And that's not in the Old, that's in the New Testament. That's to us. The word holy simply means to be whole. Not divided. I don't have this intention and that intention. Like, no, I, I'm singular in my focus, in my, in my goal, in my desires. It's not being fractured. We're having various ulterior motives in things. Like, no, my, my focus is, is man, I, I, I'm locked in on what God wants for me. Because here's what I know is that holiness still really does matter to the Lord. I know culturally we want to say, well, we can accept everything. No, we can't. Why? Because holiness still matters to the Lord. And it should still matter to his church. And there are lots of places and lots of people who even right now are really divided over is the word of God the standard or not in their churches. We're not talking about the culture. We're talking about churches. Did God mean what he said? He said it a few times. I think he meant that. He didn't just say it once. I mean, he said it a few times. Kind of New Testament. It's, it's there in lots of places. I don't think we should debate on what God made clear. Amen. Because why? The wisdom of Scripture is to come out from among them. Come out from among them. In other words, I don't want to be like the world. I want to be different. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be strange. I want to be godly. Because in holiness and godliness, there's power. Like real life transformational power. So I want to take a moment here as we're kind of wrapping up this. We did this last week. I'm going to do it again this week. I want to just have the musicians just play for a moment. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you just to get quiet. Like, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if something, if there's a something that comes to mind, there may be something that you just need to repent of. And repentance is simple. God, I see that this is your standard and I didn't make it. I repent. I, I'm a, I, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. See, this needs to be a part of your normal Christian life, by the way. This isn't just for a Sunday morning. We need to have moments where we get quiet before the Lord and we're like, well, I don't want to do that. He might start talking. That's the point. Why? Because God never asked anything from me. He doesn't have something better for me. And so if he says, hey, I need you to forgive that person, it's not because, I mean, he does want me to forgive. Why? Because he knows there's something better on the other side of my obedience. Always. Always. And so I want to take just a moment here and 
There may be attitudes or actions or whatever it may be. That you, and look, I don't know how many people are in this room. There could be this many different things the Holy Spirit's going to speak to every single one of us. And again, let me remind you, repentance is just squaring it up. It's just settling the account. God, I, I'm going to ask you to forgive me of this. I thank you that you wash my conscience, my mind, my, my remembrance of even the things. I mean, when I tell my testimony, it's, I feel like I'm talking about a different person. I really mean that. Why? Because not only do I know that I'm forgiven, God's actually washed my conscience clean. And I'm like, man, that old dude, yeah, that was me, but it just seems like a different person. But in reality, it was. It was a different person. Still look the same, still sound the same, all those things, but I've been recreated in Christ. And so I want to take just a moment, I'm going to pray just that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you because you've listened to me for however long, the last 40 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever it's been, I don't know. But the most important thing that you would hear today is not my voice. The most important thing for you today is to actually hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Because that's going to help you tomorrow. I'm not going to show up at your job tomorrow with a message ready to preach to you. But the Holy Spirit can be there with you. And if we'll learn to listen for His voice, and sometimes we just got to get quiet. It doesn't take a long time. But I want to pray that the Holy Spirit's going to begin to work and begin to stir some things up in you that there's going to be some things that just going to, some of those weights I was talking about earlier, I asked you if you felt heavy or burdened today. Those things can be lifted if we'll just acknowledge, God, I need you in this area of my life. I'm sorry for trying to do these things on my own. I'm sorry for trying to figure this out on my own. I, I need your help. So, Father God, I just thank you right now. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your life. Father, I thank you that your word transforms us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to our hearts. We ask you to forgive us of, of not paying attention and not listening to your leadings, to not listening to your voice, for allowing voices around us and even our own voice to be louder than your voice on the inside of us. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Holy Spirit, speak. For we're listening to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that the promise of the scriptures is that you're our helper, you're our aid, you're the one who comes along our side to help us. To be our strengthener, to be the one that we need. So I thank you that whatever the needs may be right now in this room, Holy Spirit, I thank you that your power is greater than any limitation that we see in ourselves. That there's no hindrance that the enemy has placed in our life, that the power of God is not greater than. That we cannot just move, be, we wouldn't just simply move beyond it, but I think that we'll move out of it. That there would be a, a, a definite moment of a, of a breaking of, well, this is the way my life was until the Holy Spirit worked. And in a moment of time, you can change every situation and circumstance. So, Father, I thank you for faith to rise up on the inside of us, to walk out your purpose and your plan for us. Father, I thank you just for obedience. That, Father, as you would speak, that we'd be quick to hear, but we'd be quick to obey. We'd let go of the things that we need to let go of. We would grab hold of all that you have for us. Father, we thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus.